Hello, philosophers. I'm Alex Martinez. And I'm Sam Mascaro. And welcome to Film Philosophy. Today marks the very first episode of the Film Philosophy Podcast. I would like to preference exactly what you guys, as the philosophers, are getting yourselves into, with a warning that this show is fueled on our opinions and nothing is to be taken to heart. So, Sam, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm just dandy. How are you doing today, Alex? I'm doing wonderful. Um, Being this the first podcast, I felt like we should introduce ourselves, and uh, I would uh, like to kind of just talk about uh, who we are and what we're interested in and kind of why we're doing this podcast. All right. All right. Well, you can go ahead and start. Sorry. All right. Well, my name is Sam Mascaro. I I, I go to Forest High School. I'm huge when it comes to politics and anything of government and that sort. Uh, When it comes to movies... I preference dramas. I love comedies as well, though. Uh, you'll always catch me watching something from Aaron Sorkin. If you know who Aaron Sorkin is, you know he's a great screenwriter. He's done stuff like uh, Social Network, Moneyball, uh, TV shows, West Wing, and Newsroom, and he's really influenced the uh, the game as a whole. And so, he definitely uh, definitely has influenced my life in a very uh, positive way. But yeah, um, but that's about it for me. What about you, Alex? Uh, I've been interested in film for a while. I actually started back in elementary school, kind of experimenting with uh, different cameras that I would find. My friend let me borrow his one time, and I shot like a two-minute video of my dog, and <laughs> ended up making like a s- small like stop-motion animation with it. And it was really intriguing to me, just how you can take this this camera and create a whole story out of my dog. I could I made an entire story voiced over. It sounded like my dog was talking, and it just was really weird to me that I could do that. And later on, I started to write, and um, I actually created a film not too long ago. It's a little short film. It's on my YouTube channel uh, called Flood, which was my actual first short film. And it was um, really cool to kind of work on that with my friends because I've never done anything like that before. And especially oh, yeah. experimenting in that sense. And I've, I've always wanted to do that, and doing this kind of helps me vent my opinions about certain things so absolutely i uh i remember earlier this year when uh when president obama got re-inaugurated uh or, or last year at least early last year um yeah. the the very first uh uh gay poet he's from miami actually his name is richard blanco was mm-hmm. one of the uh was was part of the inauguration he was the inaugural poet and um and his poem really inspired me so what i ended up doing is um is making his uh, poems, one of his poems, and putting it into a um, putting it into a video where I kind of reenacted uh, the poem as a whole, and then went back and uh, did a voiceover on top of it. But yeah, definitely, I, you know, the, the biggest, uh, the best thing about uh, film is that what it does is it takes your literature, it takes your ideas and it puts it into a way that you're able to see it and so it kind of it takes those imaginations it takes your um anything that you kind of view mm-hmm. in your mind you know when we read a book i remember when i used to read uh, harry potter back before the movies came out i remember i used to try to see what was happening in my head see what harry and ron and hermione were doing see what yeah. was going on and then when you actually see it on the film when you see it on the screen it, it really helps enforce that uh, that idea that you had. Yeah, and, and film adaptations have that kind of sense, and I would uh, talk a lot more deeper into it, but my opinion about it is that I remember reading this one book called Tunnels, and 
it was amazing. Underground civilization, adventures. Um, it was really intriguing to me. And once I started to look more into it, I was like, oh, they're making a film. But then I started thinking, oh, wait a minute. I think of this character looking like this, but this is the actor they chose for her. It's not going to – it's hard sometimes to see that in your mind you create these characters while the writer was creating them. And you kind of made what they looked like and how they seemed to you and how they acted. And then in a film, they look completely different, but they're the same character. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on a, a variety of factors. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to things like Hunger Games and, and recently with Harry Potter and all that kind of stuff, you know, what I think they did a good job because they really, I mean, when it comes to Hunger Games, they kind of did, but when it comes to Harry Potter and when it comes to other movies such as, let me think, uh, gosh, let me think, gosh, I can't even, Alex, you want to help me out here, because I'm trying to think of Which, film adaptations. Um, I can think of one of the worst ones I saw, but uh, you, you ever seen the movie Where the Wild Things Are? Oh my gosh. They That book was like 10 pages, and they made like a two-hour movie out of it. They made so much stuff out of it, and they didn't. Yeah, I was I was I was watching the movie. I'm like, wow. The, the the first couple minutes of the movie, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. And then it starts. They they took a lot of the source material, mm-hmm. which is always good, especially for like uh, a movie such as Star Trek and stuff. Taking the source material and kind of adapting it into your own, um, and seeing these characters that were in a book, and then seeing them and being like, oh gosh, they they took these characters and like completely changed them to make them film worthy. Right. 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 Well, yeah, when you, anytime you, you transition into a, a film or, or t- uh, TV or anything of that sort, they're always going to distort it in a way to be able to make it uh, a, like appeasable to all audiences. For example, the movie The Butler, which was very recently that just happened, it was based on an actual, uh, an actual person who, mm-hmm. if you've seen The Butler, you know what it's kind of about. It's about an uh, African-American um, uh butler who works in the white house and he progresses through like six presidencies and all that kind of stuff and there were a lot of they had oprah in it and it had a couple other really big actors but what they ended up doing is is there was a book that was made and then they made it into the movie but the uh when they had to put it into the movie they had to take away a lot of the factual information about it yeah. they had to put in a lot of stuff that kind of if you read the original story it's it it, it makes a completely different person yeah, but the film was a great movie, but it it it's, it's every single time you uh you have to transition into something else. So if you do it from film to book, there is going to be a a difference. I I have noticed that, and I know that um a lot of main material has actually been changed. Have you ever seen the movie called Lincoln? Is that oh one? yeah, absolutely. They actually changed uh, one of the elections. I don't remember for which state it was, but it was the opposite that they did in the film. And they did it in the way in the film so that there was some sort of conflict in the film. So it's not 100% accurate, but they did it to the point to where it, the audience won't notice it unless you looked in-depth into like the trivia on IMDb or, or some other website and look and see. Right, oh, right, right. They, uh, they changed the voting for it. So... Oh yeah, they um, and we're kind of we're still on the uh, like the documentary and more of the the politics stuff. And I'm sorry, guys, if, if you're really bored with that, I, I love it more than anything. But um, you know, our second president, Don Adams, they made a big, huge thing of it on HBO, and they pretty much distorted his life. I mean, mm-hmm. you think we talk about books being distorted? They literally changed parts of his life that were 
good for the show. That's a crazy thing. So when thing. you think of it in that sense, yeah, they 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 take parts of his life and put it where they want it, and so they kind of and that's change what, it in a way. That's what a screenwriter does. I mean, think you could create a character right now. Let's just say, like, name him Bob Adams or something random like that. You could say originally in your in your script, you know, he's maybe fifteen, and let's say he's uh, not very wealthy, but then you could instantly change that, and then you instantly change who the character is. I oh, mean, yeah. you can change everything about a story by just changing the character, and in that sense, yeah, I think I actually saw that special. Um, I know that on um, the History Channel, they do happen to change some things, and it's about making the person, I guess, seem more heroic or, or villainous, depending on what you're trying to uh, emulate, I guess. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, you have they. They have to kind of be able to give it a sense that it's it's a more lively person, so they might have to add more um, things to you know. Some writers are are really good at certain parts and really bad at certain parts. So the screenwriter, when taking books and and taking things along that sort, when they have to take it in and then revise it into a movie, they have to kind of pick up where the uh, where the writer left off. Yeah. So for example, I have a, a artist or a uh, a author who's from Spain and. I, I read a lot of his books. His name is Carlos Ruiz Zafron. He's a really good guy. They're going to make a movie out of one of them. Uh, the problem is, is that he's terrible when it comes to action. So, like mm-hmm. the entire movie, he's great when it comes to describing the scenery. He's great when describing the uh, the emotions and what's going on. But when it comes to things like there was like one fighting scene, he was terrible at at trying to describe it, and so you had no idea what was happening. I have a and hard so, time at that too. Whenever I write, so usually I just write in brackets like action scene, and then whenever we get there, we just like, all right, how are we going to do the action scene? We just kind of like act it out and try to make it look cool. It's hard right, to write right, action. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it takes a it, it takes a certain skill. Yeah, but um, but yeah, um, so what? Uh, so today we're going to be transitioning into what me and Alex have came up with, which is. Uh, in the first few minutes of the movie, uh, is it important to grab the attention of the audience? I think so. so it, yes. So should we? So should we kind of? Should there be like a quick thing in the beginning that makes you want to watch it a little bit more? I feel as if the first ten, fifteen minutes of the film—that's what you should write. That's what you should. You should focus most of your writing. If you have some superpowers for writing, you should focus all your power into that. Because think about YouTube videos. Most of them are about, I would say, the, the being so long, 10 to 15 minutes. And if there are multiple parts, they usually split them up. Now, being that, I feel like most people only have a certain attention span. And if and it is different in theaters because you paid your money to get into the theater. But I feel as if, right. if those few minutes aren't perfect and if they don't grasp your attention, the whole movie just seems like, oh, when is it going to get to that part I saw in the trailer or or when is it going to get to this part? Yeah, so. yeah, that happened. Yeah, I mean, it, it really becomes a struggle when you know when you get somewhere and you really want to watch a, a part of a movie, and and you you think the entire movie is going to be like this, but it's not. You know, there's it's just that's one of the problems when it comes to trailers nowadays is that they like to they put all the funny parts and they put all the good parts of that movie within the trailer, and mm. so Indiana that's, Jones four. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Aliens at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get too much into that, but no, the entire film had no, no, like, I it wasn't expected, and it wasn't. And, I, I I don't know. It just felt weird. But anyways. extended sequels 
can be some of the worst movies of all time. I I'm going to end it right one. there. I, I honestly do. I'm, I'm extremely scared about what they're going to do with the new Star Wars film with Disney oh because I'm gosh. I'm extremely <laughs> extremely skeptical about what they're going to do with it because I feel like they're going they've already started cutting away uh characters that weren't so popular. Yeah. And so so I you know it's it could get very 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 sketchy from there. And so I you know I'm waiting for a Mickey Mouse head shaped death star. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait for yeah. it. <laughs> It's going to be yeah. there. It's going to be there, and it's going to be like the main plot. Oh, we got to take down the Mickey Mouse-shaped Death Star. Better go shoot it up. Um, it's 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 getting ridiculous. you know. And Disney is taking over. They're, they're taking over the film industry right now. And, and I, I have no problem with that. It's just a matter of it's kind of hard to watch Disney transition from being the kids' show into being the more intense and more, uh, you know, action-y using kind of uh, what they call edgy. Um, if you've ever watched the Pixar film, that's an edgy film. You know yeah, they use Pixar kind of films. Pixar films are great, but the way that they do their uh, their dialogue is that they kind of like to mix um, adult factors within the childlike um, movie, and so you'll hear things kind of that are dry humorish, you know, kind of adultish kind of ways, and the kids won't really understand it until they get older but the adults who are watching it are kind of you know they're laughing at it i have that experience i grew up watching toy story saw them on abc family the other day again completely saw it in a different fact i was like they ch- oh my i can't believe i didn't see any of this stuff on there it's it's crazy right, yeah um but i do agree with you on the disney part and i, I believe joss whedon's uh the avengers really turned around like marvel or disney i'm sorry disney's whole aspect of like oh we can actually do this stuff look at this director we just hired for the avengers that really wow i mean they got so much money off of it and oh yeah the, it I was mean, a beautiful movie so that was one of the best action films by far that disney has ever done you know they've, they've tried to, to to dwell into the action scene and they've tried to put stuff here and there and it's just not really working so they said you know what, we're just going to take the epitome of action take the biggest superheroes of them all and make the movies out of them and so you know they did they did a pretty good job on that but you know like i said it's it's getting kind of hard to see disney transition from being such a uh, a one-way uh company into becoming such a diverse company and it's a good thing also because it shows the business-like structure of uh dealing with film and dealing with tv for example mm-hmm. disney's bought marvel Disney bought ESPN, so they own ESPN, Marvel, Disney, like the Disney Channel, Disney, mm-hmm. uh, Disney XD, for those who really like uh, uh, animation. And so they've kind of, they've started to change a little bit. And it, it's, it's a good thing. It's just it kind of takes away from from the original aspect of Disney, the more kid-like things. Even the shows right now on Disney Channel are starting to get a little bit more edgy here or there. You know, they're just starting to kind of get just a tad bit more adult every time. And so, yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I feel as if uh, with the whole change, it's, like you said, it's a good change. And I feel as if a lot of shows are trying to do that. And they're placing storytelling over society. Society mm-hmm. saying, oh, this, this doesn't seem right for kids to be able to see this kind of content. But then storytelling being, oh, look what we can do, though. I'm, I'm going to make an example of uh, Breaking Bad, beautiful TV show. Um, it was a really good show. Uh, just the, the concepts they had in that show. Really right. amazing, 
most channels wouldn't probably put that on air. And AMC did it, and uh, with well, Vince Gilligan. AMC, the thing with AMC though is AMC, you know, they they have the right to be able to be an adult like uh, TV station because they are kind of that's 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 their audience that they're trying to reach. You watch mm-hmm. AMC, everything that's on there is kind of made for adults, and you know that's kind of what it's it's gone for. Uh, USA is kind of the same way, except USA has uh, WWE Raw, and so they kind of add a kid aspect to it for those who like to watch it at home. Um, but yeah, USA and AMC, they're definitely both um, targeted more towards the older audience in comparison to being a, a broad uh, group of people. It's just kind of for um, older, uh, older-ish teens and older people, whereas places like Disney, like I said before, are kind of expanding to try to become large everything. Yeah, yeah. Expansive growth. Uh, television is certainly. I feel like television and YouTube also. I feel like those things are really shaping media, just the way that people look at cinema in general. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know. We haven't really talked about it yet, but I, I definitely agree that that YouTube has has changed the game. You know, YouTube, Pirate Bay, um, let me think, Netflix, uh, Hulu, all these different companies have completely changed the uh, the way that we are able to watch uh, TV, movies, music videos, all this kind of stuff. They've they've really revolutionized it into a brand new concept. Yeah. And going back to me, uh, whenever we did the introductions, uh, me being a kid and using a small camera, I can now grab my phone and record something 10 times better than what that camera was able to produce, edit it, and release it onto YouTube within maybe an hour and deliver content across the world. Anyone could watch it. And that's where I think things are starting to head towards as well. Like Just in general, things are starting to evolve to that more simple route and more accessible route. For everyone to be able to create something, and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's really going to help get people's opinions and stories and everything out there. Oh yeah, it, you know, technology has a has a double sided way to it. It can be very, it can be extremely helpful. It can be extremely hurtful. Um, but overall, you know, no matter how it is used, change is uh, inevitable. Yeah, you know, things things change as as quickly as a snap and so it's just it, it's it's a matter of if you can be able to hold on and be able to be somewhat successful with it and and be able to use it to your advantage so like before um the more in-depth uh technology came out i wasn't an extremely techie kid mm-hmm. um i took uh mr gas class which is if you don't have mr gas he's our tv production teacher at forest and uh he kind of got me into apple and so from Apple, I went and I bought a iPod, uh, like my first iPod Touch. And so I got my iPod Touch. I transitioned from iPod Touch to iPhone, then iPhone to iPad, and now I have a Mac. And and I know how to be able to use everything on it, and I know how to be able to use it to my advantage. And so it's just a matter of being able to progress in a way that helps you and um, keeps you up to date. Mm-hmm. So what got you started with film? I know with me, it was my friend Grant back in elementary school. He was the one that let me, kind of showed me how to use a camera and um, uh, got me interested in film. We started doing little videos and it was really fun and I had fun doing it. And then later on, I started talking about it more and it kind of developed my interest more 
being able to tell stories like that. So uh, what got you into it? Well, I, you know, I've always had a, a aspect of me that loved film. I've, you know, I remember when I was about six years old, me and my uncle used to get to a movie theater. We would buy a thing of a large popcorn, which you can be able to go back and uh, get more popcorn. And uh, we would buy one ticket, and we'd be there all day just movie hopping. Whether it was legal or not, we we, we, did, we still did it. And we, we went and watched a bunch of movies, and we kind of progressed in that. But when it came down to making movies, you know, it really was Mr. Guest Class. You know, I we had kind of a falling out. We haven't been completely okay uh, to this day. But I, I, I absolutely hold all my passion and all my love and kind of uh, he was the catalyst to it. He kind of helped me start my goals in being able to produce my ideas. So where I may have in my head an idea about, um, I don't know, some midgets riding small horses, <laughs> I, I, I may have that in my head and I may want to, you know, I think that'd be a really cool thing like a really cool film or something like that. Well, now that I've taken Mr. Guest class, now Cowboy that I'm Midgets, the movie. Yes. <laughs> and we can have sequels and a whole trilogy. 40 sequels, a film adaptation from a book that we write. <laughs> Everything will be perfect in the world. I, I tell you what, if, if we can sell the screenplay to, to Disney, they could have that. <laughs> they can they make so much money off of it. Uh, crowd as well. But yeah, but I mean, he really helped me be able to understand how to be able to produce my ideas and be able to put them into, um, you know, a visual aspect. And so I, you know, film is just a, it's, it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And, and with me, I really was able to express myself. I, I remember, um, uh, a long time in my, and when I was younger, uh, I wasn't very socially okay with everything. I was more distant and I remember just being able to create that stuff and being talking to my friends and being, Hey, we can create a video and kind of being able to write everything that I felt into that video. It was uh, really amazing for me. And um, that's how I kind of started my whole thing. And I'm actually working on something now. I'm hoping to get it started soon so that we can release it uh, or actually start to film it because it, it, it's a really good idea. And um, I'm hoping to do a different genre because I'm really used to doing dramas like you. I love dramas. Mm -hmm. Dramas are are, in my opinion, really easy to write for, but at the same time, there's so many stories you can tell for them. You can tell so much stuff in a drama without having a... I mean, a lot of dramas focus around um, death and and romance in that kind of sense. Well, drama... I mean, well, when you, when you kind of do a film, because it really is... In every aspect, it's really hard to be able to be good at it. So when it comes to things like comedy, there's, there's, there's basically kind of three. There's dramas... Uh, there's comedy and then there's thrillers, and they break off obviously and turn into their own things when it comes down to um, with drama, it turns into romance, like you said, and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to the default, when you make a movie, if you're not really, if it's not going to be funny and if it's not going to be scary, you know, it's going to be a drama. Whether whether you intend it to be or not, that's kind of the default. And so, yeah, it is. It's it's definitely a lot easier to be able to write for a uh, a drama in comparison, just because a drama, you don't have to necessarily. Uh, be funny or know what uh, sequence will make your audience be somewhat frightened and so yeah yeah it's, it's it's hard to write horrors and that's actually what i'm writing for now and writing it it's um it's like okay this sounds scary to me but when somebody actually watches this are they going to jump out of their seat or is it just going to be like them laughing i remember watching a lot of horror films like paranormal activity 2 and i laughed 
I couldn't get scared. I was sitting there, I was like, that guy looks, that's what the heck's going on in this film. And, um, yeah, so oh, yeah. so I agree with you in that sense, yes. It's, uh, it depends on that. Um, so, uh, I think that we are done. Do you? I think that was uh, Yeah, good. I mean, yeah, that yeah. sounds like it'd be good. So, um, I want to thank you guys for, uh, for listening in for this week's Next week, we'll hopefully have a good bit more to be able to talk about, and hopefully you guys will submit your questions so we're able to answer them and kind of go into detail about that. But, you know, we appreciate it. And um, so, yeah, Alex? Yeah. Uh, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at philosophy underscore film, and hopefully our official website will be out sometime soon so that you can watch it on the website instead of on YouTube. But uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, thank you, Sam, for tuning in with me. Uh, tune in next week for another episode. Absolutely. And I'll talk to you later. Thank you. All right. Yeah, man. See you.